What's up, everyone? This is Justin Brunken again with the Industrial Solutions Network podcast of Connect Together. We are here, not live, but we're recording on the floor <laughs> of the Manufacturing Matters Expo in Nebraska. Uh, this is, a, the well, we're calling it the biggest automation electrical trade show uh, training and networking event uh, that exists in this state. And we're proud of it. We're bringing a lot of people. There's almost 300 customers uh, here, I believe. Uh, well, 200 some. That's I'm rounding up to 300. I don't know the exact number. Dan's laughing over here, which we're going to introduce him in a bit. I've never said I was good at math. I do podcasts, Dan. Uh, but there's a lot of people here. It's amazing. And uh, I'm excited to be here. And another person that is always has the energy and excited to be here, even though these topics today that we're going to talk about are a little, they sound depressing, a little morbid, but he's going to tell us why it matters, right? Manufacturing matters, this depressive, depressing topics and all these other stuff, it matters too. And I'm here with Dan Messina, the man with the energy, the man that bleeds AIM services. He's going to tell us what that means too. Welcome, Dan. Thanks, Justin. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing real good. Uh, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have people excited to talk to me and give us some really cool, I don't know, stories and information on this podcast. Uh, I'm ex always excited to talk to you because I feel like you can talk forever about anything, uh, which helps because uh, I'm not very good at continuing the conversation. So what are you here to do at the Manufacturing Matters? What is your goal? Well, I was asked to be here to stand at the booth to look handsome and charming. So, so far, you know, I'm succeeding at that uh, phenomenally. Uh, no, we're going to have to get another opinion on that. <laughs> uh, no, really, the, uh, the main goal here is to represent AIM Services, our services uh, wing of the Industrial Solutions Network. Um, you know, AIM's goal is to help customers understand risks to their operation so we can help them be more profitable more sustainable, and more importantly, be open in five years. <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about uh, uh, of some of the topics, and like I was asking, what are we going to talk about here? And they're all like disaster recovery, humanizing arc flash, the death toll of arc flash, uh, all the identifying the risks there. Like this is like crazy stuff, but. Talk about, you know, I, I asked you, like, what's the one thing that you want to have people take away uh, from this event is like, well, we're here to identify the risk and help them get to where they want to be, right? Yeah, so I, I know it sounds kind of vague and maybe a little bit morbid, but the, 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 the bottom line is if you're a manufacturer, and God love you because, you know, we, we deal with just about every manufacturer in Nebraska and, and, and many throughout the country. Um, if you're a manufacturer, um, you, know, you, you obviously have risks to your operation. You know, and, and maybe they're identified, maybe they're not. Maybe they're, they're out of your control and maybe they're within your control. So uh, our job is to give a... Uh, a, a very uh, uh, recognizable uh, pathway for a customer to be able to understand, you know, listen, this is something within your control. Um, these are the steps that you must take uh, to be able to, to, you know, 
to uh, reduce your, your unplanned downtime. And that's really the biggest risk to a manufacturer is unplanned downtime. So you think, you know, you talk about shutdowns, you've heard that, you know, with a manufacturer, I'm going to schedule a shutdown. A scheduled downtime is something production planners have figured out and said, okay, we've got this window, we're going to shut down for a week and we're going to do these maintenance things that we need to do. Th that's great. Um, the, the worst kind of downtime that you can ever find is unplanned downtime. So you have a, a piece of equipment fail. Uh, the line goes down. If this is a part of a larger manufacturing process, um, say it's at the beginning of the process, um, you're building cars. You've got a frame, a bunch of frames at the very, very beginning of the production line, but there's no finished cars coming out the other end. Hmm. So that's kind of a big deal. Not only are you not producing, that means you're not shipping and selling, but you've also got a lot of people standing around your plant that you're paying to do nothing. Hmm. You know, so. Part of our job, and this is a very small part of, of what we do, is we assess the, uh, the automation capabilities of a customer. We walk in, we uh, do a detailed study of the, the life cycle of the Rockwell and third-party automation components to understand are they active products, meaning that you know, we stock them, you can buy them on a regular basis, are they active mature, um, are they obsolete, are they discontinued, you know, those sorts of things. And so once we understand what the percentage of active product versus every other category of product is in a, in a, a, a manufacturer facility, then we can start to understand you know, and ask the question, what does your disaster recovery program look like? And that's a question that I ask people every day. Hmm. What does your disaster program recovery look like? How many people can answer that? Well, it usually it, it results in like a glazed look, like <laughs> I, I, what, like tornadoes, you know, yeah, or, or you know, yeah, 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 we have a, we have a shelter. No, 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 that's, that's not what I'm saying. Say, for instance, you have a programmable logic controller, a PLC that runs your operation. What is your plan if that fails right now? What do you do? Mm. You can't produce product. Do you have a spare? Do you have a number of spares? Do you have um, you know, an integrator embedded or somebody on call that you can transfer the program from the old one to the new one? Um, you know, th those sorts of things are very, very real challenges that manufacturers face every single day. Some are very good about planning those 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 uh, uh, those disaster recoveries, and some just you know, I mean the vast majority of American manufacturers I don't know if you know this or not the vast majority about 55 percent have 50 employees or less. Yeah, C crazy. So, but if they have 50 employees or less, that means that their maintenance staffs are ve a very small percentage of that of that whole staff, which means that they may not have the skill sets uh, available. They may not have the cash flow to be able to have all the spares on, on hand that they need. Or just the time to even think about that. Like, I'm sitting here, Dan, that's not going to happen to me. <laughs> How many say that? It's uh, not going to happen to me. You know, it, it's interesting because, it, you know, we, we as humans say that all the time. Wow, I you know, just saw, you know, a flood in Bangladesh. I'm glad it didn't happen to me. Oh, yeah, Nebraska flooded this year, right? I mean, <laughs> th those sorts of things. We, we always think that. It won't ever happen to me. Or it hasn't happened yet. I hear this a lot. Oh, that, that uh, yeah. Rockwell Drive has been in there for 30 years and it hasn't failed yet. Why would it fail now? Mm -hmm. <laughs> because it's 30 years old. That's why. <laughs> so... So from your experience and where you go and you're identifying all these risks, what are the, I don't know, the top things that cause the unplanned downtime that you see? I know I say it's like it's not going to happen to me, but it does happen, sure. correct? Sure, what sure. are those top things? Yeah, so um, you know, number one I, I already touched on is not having a plan if something you know, critical to your operation fails. Um, but even before that, identifying what's really actually critical to your operation. You know, um, 
being able to figure out that, hey, we have to have this for everything else to run, which I know it sounds really silly, mm-hmm. you know, it's, but many uh, manufacturers that we've dealt with have not taken the time or just they, just, they just don't because you're right, because that attitude, it won't happen, that they haven't identified what's critical. Um, even after we perform our modernization assessment, which is our way of being able to identify those risks, um, we still have long conversations about, okay, so here's, here's all the risks to your operation, but what's critical? You know, what do you want to spend money on today? Mm. What do you want to uh, your five-year project path to look like? Because obviously, you know, some places we go into, you really need just need to rip the entire plan out and start from scratch. <laughs> but that's that's not really fiscally responsible, right? So, yeah, so yeah. we have to identify what's critical and 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 move on from there. Um, how many times have you done? Have you, how many times have you told people that? It's like, guys or girls, we need a new plant here. <laughs> well. You know, as a as a kind of a politically motivated salesperson, I, I, I tend not to say that to, to, to people, you know, because I, I want to be able to continue the conversation. Because yeah. once they hear, hey, your plant sucks and we have to rip it out, we, we start to kind of lose some relationship there. So so really the, the, the biggest key is that, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like when you go to the shop and you, you take your car in and they look at it. Chances are they're not going to come out and say, Justin, your car is a piece of crap and you really need to replace it. You know, unless their brother-in-law happens to run the used car lot next door. And that's I've had a car story. like that, Dan. Yeah, well, I have too, but that's not the <laughs> point. The, 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 the mechanic is going to tell you in order of importance, this is what needs to be done. You need to you know, do this and then do this and do, do this. If you can't afford to do all three, just do what's critical. Mm. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're identifying what's critical, what's important to their operation, and, and trying to eliminate or at least alleviate the amount of um, unplanned downtime that they have to, to their operation. Um, some of the other things that we look at, though, are, you know, if we have identified that risk, do you have people on staff that are capable of being able to say, you know, we talked about that PLC, being able to change that PLC out and get you back up and running? If you don't, what's your plan? Do you have a partner that uh, you can call? Do you have an embedded integrator? Do you have a brother that, you know, does that in the business? Or, you know, we can, we as AIM Services have, you know, a, a lot of different partners that we work with that we can facilitate that conversation with customers and say, hey, listen, if you don't have it, then, then we can help you identify the resources that you may need. You know, not, I mean, when you think about how much an automation engineer might cost, you know, salary-wise, you know, you're probably talking low six figures, right? You know, ninety-five to a hundred thousand dollars, plus benefits, plus all that stuff. You're talking about a half million dollars a year, potentially, in having that resource available. What is it worth to say, hey, I've got this uh, company over here that can be on call for you? You know, there's another way that we can help. Say, hey, we can help you stem your risk, but also save you money at the same time. Um, energy efficiency is obviously a big deal. You know, we, sure. we, 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 we talk Money is about, a big deal, Dan. Well, and <laughs> it's, all, <laughs> it's always a big deal. So we, we talk about their big motor loads. We talk about those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, the, I guess the, the biggest key takeaway is that, um, you know, the, and, and really because I'm dancing around your whole question, uh, if I even remember what your question was. But Dan, the, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, this is what I love about you. We get you on, and it's like you start talking about conversations that <laughs> It just doesn't matter. I didn't bring up, but that's great because it's sure. less talking for me. So. Sure, sure. So, so we talked about equipment failure, but um, you know, from automation equipment failure. But what about infrastructure equipment failure? You know, it, there's a lot of uh, talk about arc flash, um, about having an arc flash assessment done. OSHA and NFPA 70E have uh, have standards and and requirements for uh, eliminating hazards in the workplace. 
that uh, your employees are exposed to every day. Um, here's some frightening statistics. So um, there are about 7,000 arc flash events that happen every year. 4,000 of those events are severe enough to send people to the hospital with burns. 400 of those people will die. So about 1.2 people die every single day in the U.S. from an arc flash event. Um, what's even scarier is that two-thirds of arc flash events are caused by worker error. Yeah. It's not from, you know, this catastrophic failure of, of equipment, which mm -hmm. does happen. I mm -hmm. mean, let's not take away from, from that. But we have technicians that just, they're human and they make mistakes. They leave tools and equipment. They wire things wrong. And the, the, the human cost... Of, of having uh, you know, an undertrained or understaffed maintenance uh, department is, is, is catastrophic. So, so let's just, and again, we're, we're talking you know, morbid, so let's just continue. So let's say that the one person who is you know, statistically going to die today from an arc flash event, let's take those, those, those 4,000 that are gonna go to the hospital. So you know, the, the OSHA statistic is that um, for every uh, percentage of the body that's burned, that equals about one and a half days in the hospital. Typically, you see second and third degree burns over the, the face, the hands, and the neck from an arc flash event. Um, not to mention the clothing fires that typically are sparked from that. Um, so you're talking about people who are in the hospital for you know a month. And then there's the PTSD uh, uh, effect of that. Of I, I don't know if you've ever seen an arc flash in person. It's terrifying. Uh, please, I hope I never do. <laughs> I, I, I hope you never do either. <laughs> so, so there's also a traumatic, no, you know, that, a psychological, is, yeah, yeah uh, event to that because, you know, there's a there's a percentage of, of people who may you know physically be healed from their arc flash that will never be able to work again in a manufacturing yeah. plant because of that that You're psychological factor. Your mind to even like slip, yeah. like or do some wrong move in a panel. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Or did they, are you sure that someone turned off the power? Sure. Sure. So, so again, as since we're being morbid, let me, let me give you some more, some more facts here. So you're killing the, me here. The <laughs> I hope not. The, the arc flash itself, uh, the burns, um, the fireball and everything that's all secondary. The first thing to hit victims is the concussion wave. So it's the pressure wave is just like, you know, an explosion. It's, it's moving at 700 miles an hour. Um, you know, we're, we're talking uh, pounds per square inch that exceeds what a hand grenade would be. It's, it, it's terrifying. It's enough to break bones. It's enough to give concussions. It's enough to liquefy organs. So, Gross. I mean, yeah, that is, I agree. It's like, how do, you, how do you get people to understand that this could hit home? Like, there's always tragedy everywhere that, you know, even outside of this industry, like we talk about all this bad stuff that happens, but you know, a lot of people say it again, like it's not going to happen to, it's not going to happen to me. Right. Like that, that help that happens elsewhere. Yep. Like I, I, how do you get people to do this before it becomes too late? And that's like always the thing is it, is it, it's on that one individual to get them to understand, uh, what is that? I mean, cause you can talk about all this danger all the time, but you know, like it's, the cost of doing this and getting in there and creating the training and the mm -hmm. and the stickers that go on stuff you know how it all oh, all yeah. that stuff like how do you do that yeah and uh, I don't know it's tricky but tell me how would you do that well let me ask you this did you ever take driver's ed 
Yes. So did you ever see that film, Blood on the Highway? No. You know, they show, they, they scare the crap out of, you know, 15 and 16-year-old kids by showing them these morbid crash videos of teenagers, you know, and, and, and that's one tactic for sure, you know, that, that you can scare people into compliance. Not everybody attaches to that emotional thing exactly for what you just said is that, oh, it won't happen to me, you know, I'll go hill jumping, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll drive too fast, it will never happen to me. The same thing happens in, you know, with, with arc flash and lockout, tagout, sa safety in general within yeah. a plant. So only 53% of American manufacturers are compliant today with OSHA and NFPA 70E guidelines. Now, OSHA doesn't specifically say that you have to have an arc flash, but it does say that you must uh, protect your uh, manufacturing workers from the risks that they uh, that they see every day uh, from from you know doing their work. Yeah. NFPA 70E gives you all the standards and guidelines on how mm -hmm. to do that. Um, you know, some people get it. They get you know the stickers. The stickers are, are, are way down the list of, of of the things. That's the visible piece That's true. of of the of the arc flash assessment. There's a lot of different stuff that that goes into it. It's a it's a it's a very complicated engineering study. Um, but if fifty if only fifty three percent of of American manufacturers are currently compliant, which by the way has to be audited about every five years or yeah. when substantial electrical uh, uh, changes are done. Um, and over 50% of American manufacturers have 50 employees or less. That's, that's a large piece of America, uh, American manufacturing, that, that will probably never be compliant with, with the OSHA uh, guidelines. Now, interestingly enough, OSHA officers are not like the police. <laughs> they're not out there as compliance officers, like doing raids with SWAT teams on manufacturers to make sure they're compliant. Here's another sad fact. For every one America, or for every one OSHA uh, 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 compliance officer, there are 59,000 American workers. Wow. So they're, they're severely understaffed. Wow. Um, they'll, they'll do, you know, 40-some thousand inspections next year. But typically, OSHA uh, starts to get really, really involved when there's a death. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, when you're trying to, in the residential right. street, you're trying so to get... they're very uh, reactive yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah, times, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're trying to get like a slow down children play here sign. You know, the, the police don't, don't uh, start to respond until somebody gets hit. You know, yeah. it's, it's that typical mentality. And you don't want to be in charge if something like that happens. I mean, no. or just, I mean, one thing that really hit me <clears throat> is I don't get out in front of customers as often as a lot of people in each of our locations. I was talking to someone from Renson House, our KC Industrial Solutions Network location, and they kind of put it in all perspective. It's like, we're not just like trying to scare people out that we don't know, like, hey, please change this. They're like, no, I, I literally go out to lunch with them. Like, our kids play together. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I seriously don't want to see a friend that is also a customer get hurt yeah. or be in charge of someone or another acquaintance that gets hurt. And um, that just brought it all home to me that it's not just like, no, we're, we're not trying to make money off this. Like, we really don't want you to get injured or hurt or see some, sure. some one of our friends and companions actually, like, have harm to them. So No, you're absolutely uh, right. Um, you know, in the old days, when I was an industrial electrician, I, I actually ran projects for six years and, and had a number of electricians underneath me. And, you know, OSHA uh, Article 1932 
um, is is really what what outlines all those those requirements of of employers how to safeguard employ, uh, employees from from those you know those hazards in the workplace. This is not reading that will you know that's a cure for insomnia. If if you are uh, in charge of of anyone doing any sort of, of work, hazardous or not, this stuff will keep you up at night thinking mm. about, gosh, how, how am I going to keep my, my you know, men and women that are working for me, who, who are working because they have to, right? <laughs> none, none of us are independently wealthy and go to work as we want to. Yeah. You know, we're, we're working because this is our livelihood. How do we keep them safe doing that? Yeah. That's crazy to think like, you know, like, I don't know how many people, how many of them actually stay up at night thinking like the safety of their employees. There has to be a lot of them. Right. Me, I just like I stay up thinking of people like me who are people who are listening to this podcast. Let alone if people's lives are in my hands. That's yeah. I can't imagine. For sure, for sure. I, I know that, that, that. How do we help people with that so they don't like, so they can sleep at night? Right, right. And and, and that's really my main goal, Justin. Yeah. Is that you know I I might be in you know air quotes sales, um, but. My job isn't to go out and sell stuff and walk away, you know, and go sell something to somebody else. My job is to is to help manufacturers become successful, and and part of that success is by reducing accidental deaths and and accidents in the workplace, by by helping provide safety training, arc flash mitigation, you know, lockout tagout programs, those sorts of things that that keep people safe. I've walked in their shoes, I get it, and I understand, you know, the, the challenges that they're up against. It's, it's not about making sales. It's about helping people be successful and safe. And, you know, every one of us wants to go to work and go home at night. I know. <laughs> to the family. And not have stress. Yeah. Like, uh, man, I, I think sometimes, like, oh, man, all the stress I have with my job and all this other stuff. But, man, I can't imagine. And you just, just put it, literally put it in perspective right now for me. Like, how much stress it would be to have the safety of people's lives, like, in your hands. Like, like, am I doing the right stuff to keep, like, these people safe where their wife doesn't come in and, like, you know, like, what happened to him? Now, now he, even if he loses an arm, it's really hard to do his job after that or her job after that. Like, I just can't imagine. Yeah. Man, let's de-stress them. That's a... Uh, Whew. It's a terrifying, really, yeah. You really did humanize this for me. <laughs> Lots of, oh, man, that's crazy. Um, okay, so... Yeah, we already know how horrible this is. You depressed me thoroughly. So let's at, talk about rainbows and ponies. At nine fifty in the morning <laughs> here at the Manufacturing Matters Expo. So okay, so now we know, like, how do we help them out? What's the next step, right? As AIM Services and AIM Services, I want to mention is, is our um, basically division that delivers high-end, very customized services and, and services packages to our customers to help them get to where they want to be. That's either network services, uh, assessing with a whole modernization, risk assessment, arc flash, all that stuff. You'll do a better job explaining. So uh, after this, and they, what, if they want to take the next steps... What do they do? Sure, sure. So, so the assessment process, and we, and, and you're absolutely right. Thanks for thanks for mentioning that. We do a, a number of different assessments. You know, network modernization. You know, arc flash, whatever it happens to be. The assessment is not the goal. The assessment is a starting point. Mm. The assessment is a real world. This is where you are. This is this. You know, we were uh, uh, talking with a customer last week, and and, and they are uh, a retail customer that actually makes clothing. And they're in shopping malls. I can't mention the name, but they're in shopping malls all over the, all over the country. And it, and it dawned on me while I was talking to them that, uh, to put it in their perspective of, you ever go to a shopping mall and you see that big board of the map of, you know, I want to go to X mm -hmm. store. 
but that 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 red arrow that says you are here isn't there. <laughs> how do you know how to get to where you want to be? We're the red arrow. Mm. That's that's what we do. Love so, that, Dan. So by assessing, we're not necessarily solving a problem. You know, malls are dying though, right? Yeah. You know, that, that analogy's not going to work too much longer. No, FYI, you're, you're probably probably right. You're probably right. Okay. So on the Rand McNally Atlas. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. So the uh, uh, but the the goal is not the assessment, and that's not where it ends. The assessment is a critical view of where you are today. So we can help either facilitate through the service technicians that we have on our staff or our integrator partners, our service providers, our third-party contractors to be able to help you mitigate the, the, uh, uh, the areas that we found that are risk to, your, to a business. Um, so, say for instance, you need you know some some PLCs upgraded, but you don't have the people on staff. We have partners because we're you know we are uh, the services side of our industrial solutions network, our CED uh, and Renson House Mosbach, all those locations mm-hmm. across America. Those integrators are also our customers, so we have great relationships with them. So we can help them. You know, of course, it's a benefit to them because we say, "Hey, XYZ manufacturer over here needs some help." We then fill their sales funnel, you know, full of opportunities, and then they become a better customer to us. We become a better distributor to them. It's it's a great circle, but we're all doing one thing. We're focused on one single thing: customer success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Manufacturing matters. Absolutely. I do love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a great segue. That does matter. Heck yeah. <laughs> um, well, I really appreciate it. I do appreciate it, even though you like depressed me thoroughly, <laughs> uh, Dan. Uh, but it's important stuff. I mean, super important. And a lot of people don't like talking about it or like thinking about it. Um, but it's one of the major things that has to happen. Safety is super important. Absolutely. Figuring out what the heck's going on in your plant super important. Absolutely. Um, and we have we have things to do that and help you and, and de-stress your life and and help make everyone there safe so you can you know live your life as well as your employees. Um, so, what what's the next step? How do they get a hold of you, Dan, to get started on whatever assessment they need in their plant? Absolutely. So, in uh, I, I cover uh, Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska uh, specifically. They can uh, contact me uh, through email, which is pretty easy. Dan Messina at aim services.com. Better spell Messina. M E S S I N A. Um, you can go to our website. Um, I believe now we've got aimservices.com. Aim-services. Aim-services.com. Um, and uh, you can fill out a quote form. Um, you can look at some of the services that we offer. We have some videos available there, um, some, some, kind of not, you know, some, some kind of dives into our methodology, um, and uh, you can request some, some literature from there as well. Yeah, the main thing is just connect with someone because these services are very custom to your operation, what we do Absolutely. and what you do. And so uh, it's, it's really hard to just kind of put out there like this is what we do because we do assessments, but it's assessments particularly for your operation. No, and that's, you do. A, that's a great point, Justin. So thank you for saying that because, um, you know, like I said at the very beginning, success looks different for every manufacturer. Therefore, if we developed a cookie cutter way of assessing every manufacturer, that, that would sell a lot of people short. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very customized to what, you know, we have a, a, a fairly, you know, involved sales process, which really isn't a sales process. It's about uh, having a number of conversations mm-hmm. with a number of people in the plant. The way I like to, to look at, say, for instance, our modernization assessment, and this is the way we talk about it at all levels of management from plant floor to CEO in a, in a facility is, you know, I don't know if you have teenagers, Justin, but I, I have teenage girls. No kids. I don't get you. You already <laughs> lost me. <Yeah. laughs> well, they'll believe anybody on the internet, but they won't believe me. 
Me too. So, so you know, for, for and, and manufacturers are no different. You know, um, plant floor technicians mm. are up against you know certain you know certain things like you know they they they're they're buying you know uh, pieces and parts off the internet because they're obsolete. They can't buy them from us. That information doesn't always get to the higher. Uh, levels of management. They don't understand what that risk is. They just know that the maintenance budget is, is blown out of the water. Yeah. They don't see those specifics. So we're the guy on the internet. You know, we're, we're, the, we're the folks to be able to facilitate conversations between all levels from the plant floor to the CEO so everyone understands what the risks to each department are in each level of management. Yeah, I'll leave this with people still matter in having these conversations. Uh, I know there's the internet and we're on there, but connecting people and having these conversations with your operation, exactly what would help you guys out. We're there and we're local. Absolutely. Hey, we have AIM services all over the country, specifically local to get to your guys' operation and plant and uh, to figure it out with you. So, uh, Dan, Messina. Really glad you got on hey, this thanks. podcast. Appreciate it. I always enjoy it. That's Dan Messina with AIM Services out of Kansas City. Uh, you deal with Kansas City area, Nebraska, and Arkansas, correct? Uh, just just Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska. Kansas, Missouri, yeah. Nebraska. Yep. Well, we got Arkansas locations. I'm yeah, sure, we, we do. I'm we sure do. if you ask Dan nicely, he will uh, head to Little Rock as well <laughs> and to help out. I don't know if that's in his job description, but I'm sure he will. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> and again, this is uh, the Industrial Solutions Network podcast. I am Justin Brunken. Uh, we're at the manual. Manufacturing Matters Expo here in Omaha, Nebraska. Recording live again. If you like what you hear, if you like Dan Messina, I have a few other episodes with Dan on I or iTunes and SoundCloud. So uh, go on there. You can search for Industrial Solutions Network and find this podcast and subscribe. We'll have a lot more coming out both from this event and in the future. So really appreciate it, Dan. And have a good rest of the expo. Hey, thanks, Justin. Really good luck on your presentation. It. Thank you. Don't scare people too much. I'll try. Well, okay. Scare them and get them to understand <laughs> how important safety is. I appreciate it. We'll be back. Thanks. This is Justin Brunken. I'm with the podcast of the Industrial Solutions Network called Connect Together. And we're connecting with a man named 
Austin Schnell. And uh, we are here uh, with, uh, at the Manufacturing Matters Expo here in Omaha, Nebraska, with our CED locations of the Industrial Solutions Network. And uh, Austin Schnell, I'll, I'll let him introduce himself here pretty soon. We've had him on before, so we don't need a long intro because everyone remembers it. It has to be the most listened <laughs> podcast I think we've had, of course. I don't know, but uh, we won't tell him. We'll run with it. <laughs> um, so uh, Austin Schnell is with AIM Services, uh, with the Industrial Solutions Network. So again, AIM Services is our division that really delivers uh, customized uh, specific high-end services and assessments for all our customers around the country. And we just had Dan on, just, you know, I was talking about this earlier, just talking about death and destruction, just mm -hmm. negativity and <laughs> what can happen in your facility, just scaring the, just the hell out of people on what could happen. And it got a little serious. I was like, man, I shouldn't be laughing at some of this stuff. <laughs> like, this is bad. And, um... We have Austin on here, and it's like, Austin, get over here, get on the mic, and tell us how to stop this stuff, how to prevent this stuff. And we're going to be talking about preventative maintenance here, and he was like, yeah, I can do that. Yes. So welcome, Austin. Well, thank you. It's glad to be, or it's very good to be back. I'm yeah. very excited. Um, hopefully, we're going to have a little bit more upbeat conversation, a little less death and destruction, more preventative <laughs> maintenance, like you were saying. How do we stop that? So, uh, you know, when you think of AIM services, a lot of what we offer is more of the strategic uh, planning value, right? So the more assessments, where are we going one, three, five years down the road? Um, and that's, that's great. That's a huge part of what we do and a lot of the value that we bring. But one of the things that I wanted to talk about uh, is more of the preventative maintenance side, the day in and day out. How do I keep my facility running and what does that look like? So we have a couple of new offerings um, that we've brought to the table. Uh, one of those being having to do with all of your switch gear, your breakers, and then preventative maintenance on those. We've uh, partnered with a company called Eaton Services. A lot of people heard of them. Um, never heard of Eaton. Never heard of Eaton. Just Not kidding. Once. Everyone has heard of Eaton. <laughs> yep. Eaton Services uh, is who we've partnered with. They're great. Uh, they can do a lot of different things with your breakers. So let's say uh, yearly, you know, preventative maintenance on your breakers, making sure that you're exercising those contacts on a lot of the larger switchgear to make sure that they're going to open and close when they're required. Um, doing things like maybe refurbishing some of the older breakers. A lot of what we're seeing when we walk into those facilities in that switch gear, right? Alice Chalmers, we're seeing a lot of like Federal Pacific, Westinghouse, real old gear from the 50s and sometimes even the 40s. Doesn't mean it's bad, it's worked for that long. But huh. that being said, you probably <laughs> want to make sure that it's going to continue to work, and some of those haven't been exercised in tens of years. I feel like if it's from the 40s or 50s, I would say, well, it's about time. I or agree. It, maybe it's due for something new. I don't know. But I don't I, know my breakers as well as you, Austin. Oh, well, I... Well, we'll see about that. But <laughs> no, but what I'm what I'm thinking is like you know these 40s and 50s and even 60s. It's great that they've been working that long, but they really should be looking at being replaced now. And what that means is we don't have to go in and do a multi-million dollar project to rip out, rip out your entire switchgear, your housing, and everything. One of the benefits of this is you know if the housing isn't rusted through and the bus bar is all good on the back end, uh, we can do what we call a breaker replacement. And so that's kind of like a custom job. The nice thing is pull out that breaker, and what we'll do is we'll put in a modern day eaten breaker with a modern trip unit and everything but then it's designed to fit back into your switch gear within the constraints that the original was it'll hook right up to your bus bar it'll be good to go so that's one of the huge benefits so instead of having to say hey i want to go rip out this entire thing multi-million dollar capital project why don't we make it you know less and then obviously it'll be able to plant be planned rather than the whole plant goes down because they don't have power 
I don't know much, but I've changed a break. I changed a breaker before. Why? Why can't they just do it themselves? Well, you certainly can do it yourselves if you really wanted to. I would say that the benefit of having Eaton Services uh, do it and with them services is simply because they do it day in and day out. They're the manufacturer. They know what they're doing. Um, they've seen all the tips and tricks, and they can provide that um, level of value add, right, that we can bring that maybe if you are perfectly capable of doing it, but you haven't run into those small tweaks here or there that are uh, going to be immensely beneficial when you go to replace them. So <clears throat> replacing or refurbing a breaker or set mm -hmm. of breakers, what, I mean, what... Who cares? Why? What? How is that going to solve downtime, solve issues that's going to give people headaches and like not sleep at night? Right. So say you have one of those that's uh, 1950s and you go to exercise it and the contacts don't open back up because they've seized up. All of a sudden you don't have power to probably the vast majority of your facility. And if that's a 1950s breaker, good luck finding it. <laughs> <laughs> So you don't have a 1950s breaker just sitting in our, our warehouse? Most people don't. Okay, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that, that's awesome. So, okay, so how, how many people are even looking at their breakers right now, like the manufacturing places? Are, are they constantly looking there or just like it, they only look at it when like something happens? You know, I would say it's one of those that... And it's, it's one that we're, we're kind of the same way, right? We walk past it. It's been there. It's been there since I started working there, and it's been working. So why worry about it? And that's one of those where, you know, a preventative maintenance schedule on those every one, three, five years is probably a good thing to look at. And that's something that we can help with as well, right? Design that preventative maintenance program where we come in, lubricate everything, exercise the breaker, make sure that it, the contacts are good and the bus bar isn't, you know, rusting away, things of that nature. So basically, they can call you, and they can just continue not to look at the breaker. Exactly. You guys do it for you. We'll handle so it for them, and then they're covered. <laughs> <laughs> so what else? Uh, we talked a little bit briefly before this about um, a thermography, right? So, yep. you know, I hear about thermography assessments for, like, when you buy a new house and see about heat coming mm -hmm. in and, like, residential stuff. And there's other commercial stuff on the breaker panels of what's going bad and whatnot. So what can you do in the industrial facility to help prevent uh, all, all the Dan negativity out there? <laughs> so uh, the cool thing about thermography, and this is something that I'm excited about, we've uh, invested a lot of money in to um, one of the top of the line FLIR guns and then also training our service technician. Um, he's level two certified, which um, what that means really is that any insurance company will look at his report and accept it. Um, so if you have an insurance company requirement uh, or you want to get breaks on your insurance payments, uh, you can do that with this uh, technician that we have. He's fantastic. But some of the benefits of doing thermography within an industrial facility are a lot of people will do the power distribution equipment, right? Your switch gear, yep. your, all of that good stuff, but maybe not all the way down to the three-phase motor panels on the plant floor or your controls environment on the plant floor. And that's something that we find so much value in. You know, you can do that once a year, uh, once every six months, or what we've seen a lot of people do, or what we've tried to suggest is if you're putting in a brand new panel, um, or you're refurbing a panel and putting new equipment in there, hit it with a gun before and hit it with a gun after. And then you have an understanding of where do I have any loose connections? Uh, is one of the phases not coming in right to my breaker in the panel? Or, uh, you know, just it's a good check for a baseline. So then when you're going through and you're doing these panels again, you know what it's supposed to look like. And the benefit to overall is being able to find, uh, you know, that hot phase on your breaker inside that panel so it doesn't take down your whole line or, you know, a section of your line, and then you're sitting and waiting trying to figure out where that panel is. So that, uh, that's an interesting comment. So I've, I've read a lot, and I helped with some of the thermography sort of assessment uh, materials and the program. But, yeah, I mean, that's a really good point that I didn't think about. It. Just like, you know, you're doing your testing and doing... Uh, 
you know, putting a gun on the uh, panel before and after you install it, I think is like super smart and I didn't even think about because, yeah, you're right. You have to have a starting point to even right. like, make an assessment of like when things change anyways, right? So right. Our, so one question I have is like, you know, I was going to ask like, well, anyone can buy a gun, like mm-hmm. a thermographer. Correct. Uh, do you call it a gun? Is that the right thing? It yeah, sounds sure. So yeah, <laughs> thermography gun. Sure. <laughs> a measurement camera, device. whatever you want. Thermography camera. Um, I mean, a customer could just buy one and do it themselves, right? <clears throat> Absolutely. But then, but then there's all this data that mm-hmm. you'd have to like keep themselves too, right? Like before and after. And I mean, are you are you guys doing that? Are you keeping this we data are. before and after at all times? Even like, you know, five years later, it's like, well, we got this data because you had us do it this one time and continuously, right? Historically. Right. Okay. Historically, yeah. We're holding on to those. And then the big benefit of um, having our trained service technician do it as well is like you were hinting at there, the back end. You get all these pictures and you have all this data, but then how do you develop a report and how do mm-hmm. you um, develop remediation suggestions based off of that, right? So that's one of the big benefits is um, we have our tra- technician come out and collect all of that, and the collection's the easy part. Then going back, mm-hmm. taking those pictures, locating them to each panel, and then showing, you know, what's the severity of it, what would be the recommendation that we would do, and then overall, you know, what would we do to help maybe uh, prevent pr- downtime of events in general for your facility. Those type of suggestions are beneficial because our thermographer is seeing this across a number of different industries and a number of different facilities. So he has that, you know, like we were talking about with Eaton, he has those things that he's seen, maybe that you haven't just because you're focused on your facility and you know your facility to a T, but maybe there's other things out there that are beneficial. That's a really good point. Um, It's really fun to point the camera at stuff and like, oh, wow, (laughs) absolutely, awesome. Yeah. And it's fun to get the reports to know like, oh man, what's not right and what's, what's cool, what we can fix, but, like, the middle parts of, like, creating the reports and the data, mm-hmm. like, for me, I hate that stuff. I know. But I love, like, so I'm on the marketing side of things, so I love, like, getting the reports and data that I can right. use to get better at my job, but I hate making the reports. And so if someone else is making those reports for me, you know, the non-fun stuff, right. like, that would be amazing. Well, and a big part of that, too, like, you know, what we were saying is um, our job is not to do this and go in and point that gun, you know, develop a report and then email it to you and say, hey, have fun, <laughs> right? Like yeah. the whole the whole idea behind this is is like a partnership with you guys. Like we're trying to make sure that you gain the most from this report. So before we're ever bringing it to you, we've done an internal review once, twice, three times mm. to make sure that we fully understand what we're looking at and what we would recommend if we were in your shoes. So when we come in and present this to you, it's not a I'm slapping the report on your desk and saying, hey, go have fun. I'm sitting down with you, you know, taking time to be intentional about here's what I would do, here's what I would fix if I were in your shoes, pointing out those um, issues to you. Mm, interesting. So. What are things that uh, they can find out by doing like a thermography assessment? So loose connections, right? So I mean, that could be really easy. Something simple as uh, your sensor running back to your panel into your I/O on your controller is loose, and so maybe that's going to cause issues with your sensors. Or you know, like we were talking about earlier, you have a, a breaker in there, and one of the phases is coming into the breaker is 112 degrees, while the others are 70. You know, that's a that's a big issue, and if you don't correct it, you know, that breaker is going to go, and then that whole panel and whatever's downstream from it's going to have issues. Mm. So there's a lot of different things that we can do um, with thermography, and a lot of it's dealt around preventative maintenance, but some of the benefits, too, is, you know, we have some uh, some customers who like to do one in the winter and then one in the summer, and I like that because that kind of mm. gives you a wide variety, right? So you see what the both extremes are, so when you're ever looking uh, in between those times, you have a kind of a baseline. Interesting. Uh, that's a good way to think about it. I mean, you're, you kind of mentioned it earlier about 
man, it's it's almost required by insurance, or at least you get discounts with insurance. Mm-hmm. But every facility should be doing this, right? And Absolutely. so at least twice a year, you say, from the winter and summer. I would I would recommend twice a year, once a year at the minimum. So how many locations are actually doing this? Do you think percentage wise? Percentage wise, I would. I would say some variation of this, probably 70% are doing what? some variation. Uh. But, um, you know, there's one of those where there's a variation of sometimes I'm just hitting it with a laser gun mm. and that's it, right? You know, like what you do commercially or um, if you want to measure how hot your car is on a hot day or something along yeah, those yeah. lines. Um, and that's that's much different than the actual thermography camera that provides the pictures and the spot checks. So, What do you need for the insurance company to be like, yep, you did it correctly? Uh, level 2 thermographer and the uh, report officially showing from that thermographer. Huh. So how do you become a level two? You got to go through two sets of training. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're kind of expensive. So you, can't just be, you just can't be a person. Like, here's a camera, right. and I point it out there, and I record it. Right, exactly. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what is one thing that um, it's either the main thing or something that a manufacturing plant or, or maintenance manager at a plant wouldn't expect to find when they do a study, like an inspection with thermo- like a thermography camera? What's like one thing that you've seen? It's like, oh man, I just never thought I would have found out about that if it wasn't for this. Mm. I would say uh, a lot of loose connections to the controllers. Uh, we've run into that or, you know, one single phase on a breaker. I keep going back to those two examples because those are the two things that a lot of times we run into. And that's a lot of what we see. Hmm. Um, or, you know, something as simple as the whole panel is hot because that AC unit you thought was working on the side isn't working. You know, it, or the the filter needs to be changed on it. Something along those lines. So you open the whole panel up and you do it, and you notice that the ambient temperature in the panel itself is way higher than you normally think. And we run into that a lot when we do um, one of these control panel thermography assessments when it hasn't historically been done in the past. So a lot of that is get, gathering that baseline and then testing from there on out. Hmm. So, um, so what would you say? If you, if someone's like, I don't know, like this is gonna get in the way of my process, like, do you have to open all these panels? Like, how long does it take? Mm-hmm. Like, is it more annoying than to do it or not do it? Right? What would you tell a customer like that? Well, I would say, is it more annoying to have uh, the panels open and you know one day of us running through and doing that, or is it more annoying to have the breaker go out and spend two days of downtime trying to find it? Hmm. It's kind of what it comes down to, because it, it's not a question of if it happens, it'll be when it happens, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, any last, last advice? If you have one thing to let people know, like, you know, this is Austin Schnell signing off, like, this is the one thing I want customers to realize when Austin Schnell, like, signs off, what is that? One thing that I want them to realize that when I sign off is I have the ultimate goal for me and my job is to make sure that your facility is running 24-7, that we are providing value to you, and that you see us as a partner. So however we can help you and however we can become that partner, that's what my goal is. What about personally, Austin? Personally? So personally, I love to go hunting, fishing, hiking. <laughs> I'm a big outdoors guy. So if there's one thing that you want to know about me, and if you ever want to go fishing or hunting, give me a holler. There you go. Go outdoors. Get those checks done. Get some preventive maintenance done. Austin Chanel, I really appreciate you being on here. Absolutely. Um, again, this is uh, the Industrial Solutions Network podcast. <laughs> My opinion, the best automation podcast oh, in the world. I mean, hands down. Don't go out there searching for other ones. Just come, just come here and trust me. This is the best. You can, you can listen to all our past episodes, the future ones that we're going to do here, and always at iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search for Industrial Solutions Network. Uh, you'll find it there and subscribe. 
Uh, we do videos too, go to YouTube and all that stuff. And uh, again, this is the Industrial Solutions Network. It's called Connect Together. We're here at the Manufacturing Matters Expo in Nebraska um, with our CED locations. And this is Austin Chanel again from our AIM Services Division. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right, we'll talk later. All right.